Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. As always, it is my favorite time of the week, and I always say good morning, afternoon, and evening because the show is listened to all around the world, and I never know what time zone somebody is in. And, you know, for me, the highlight of this show for me is getting to introduce you to amazing people who shift your perspectives, shift the questions you're asking yourself, and hopefully lift you up as well. And my guest today has lifted me up so many times over all the years that I've known her, including one time that she cut my hair in a hotel room and completely shifted my mood <laughs> amazingly slow. And I, so, and I, I just think that's totally such a, a woman thing, how just a haircut can completely shift the way you feel and think about yourself. But she is one of these people that you want in your life. Not only is she the co-founder of an amazing, amazing nonprofit called Hello Gorgeous, but she is a person that is needed on this planet in so many ways. So, Kim Becker, welcome back to my show so much. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much. You know what you mean to me. At least I hope you <laughs> yes, do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. You know, I, I have to address the whole haircut in the hotel room you know, Michael always said he wished he had a talent that he could take with him like that. You know, all you need is a little vision and a pair of scissors and away you go. So doesn't the, the you know, the, it's just a place <laughs> where you get to do your talent when you're Yeah, and you know, so your talent is so much more that. than a pair of scissors and an idea because your talent is so inside of you. It's this ability to see need and step in and help fill that need and lift people up. And that's something that we need so much more of in the world, Kim. I mean, everything that's going on just in the United States and, and then all over the world, it's, I wish everybody could get a haircut. <laughs> right, right, and make you feel that way, right? Make, the, make you feel the way, make everybody feel the way that we did that day. It was just so transformative, but it was because you felt better about who you were in the world when you looked in the mirror, and that's, you know, that's essentially what we do with Hello Gorgeous, too. It's I want every woman that we touch through Hello Gorgeous to smile when they look in the mirror. Because when you're smiling at your reflection, when you look in the mirror, you like that person that you see, which means that you go out and you're a better version of yourself when you go out into the world. And Hello Gorgeous is all about, I mean, what we're going to focus on a lot today is about how to bounce back from life disruptions, how you can shift yourself. And I know you're going to share a lot of tips after you having lost your amazing husband, Michael, your co-founder of Hello Gorgeous. But I mean, every single day with Hello Gorgeous, you're helping people going through cancer to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know what we found? It's not even so much the woman that we're helping that's going through cancer, her cancer journey, but it's even the family and friends around her because so many times they don't know what to do, so they just kind of stand there. So when we're able to go in and do this makeover and she looks like herself and she's feeling better about herself and she's smiling, 
the ripple effect is something I don't think that we ever realized that the the magnitude of the ripple effect, you know, the, that when she's smiling and she's happier, her husband is happier, her children are happier, she's more productive at work, so her boss is happier. You know, it's just, it's one of those things, and, and we find that when we have the opportunity to empower these women, that that that's a turning point in their cancer journey after they've received a makeover from us. Yet, there are some people that can't seem to make that shift, even mm-hmm. if they have somebody like uh, Hello Gorgeous in their lives or people around them. They seem to get stuck in a disruption that mm-hmm. is not the way I planned my life to go. This mm-hmm. is not how I expected things to play out. Mm-hmm. And it's like they give up. Mm-hmm. They can't see another side how do you how do you deal with that i mean i'm sure you see it not only in your own life and in your son's life but the life of your business and the life of the people you help you know um i mike and i when he was alive we did a lot of you know we we were very much into like inspirational things and you know, we were always looking to better ourselves because we knew if we were better people, we'd be better for the world. And Anthony Robbins would always say that you would need to ask a better question. You know, if you sit there and you ask, why am I dumb? You're going to get all the reasons that you're dumb. Or why am I not smart? You're going to get all the reasons that you're not smart. And so, you know, after Michael died, I, I, I asked a lot, why? Why did this have to happen? He was an amazing individual. I don't understand. You've got people that aren't doing good in this world that are still allowed to walk on this earth, and yet this person that never complained and, you know, took the disease that he had just by the horns and, and never let it affect him negatively, how come he was the one that was taken? And so when I would ask why, it was an empty-ended question. I would never get an answer. So I found, which I'm so grateful to be on your show, it really is all about the questions and the questions that you ask. So instead of asking why, I had to start asking a question, what am I supposed to learn from this? So it's the same thing with a woman battling cancer. I'm sure she asks constantly, why am I the one with cancer? You know, whatever reason, I've got a neighbor who's not doing anything, and yet I'm the one that's diagnosed. And You don't get any answers with that. But when you ask a better question, you get a better answer. So if you can just do that two-millimeter shift and ask, what am I supposed to learn from this? That that really helped me through my journey of grief through these last 26 months because if I asked the question why, I would never get an answer for why. But when I asked, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this? I, I've learned a whole lot. I've learned I'm a lot stronger than I am. I've learned I'm a lot smarter than I am. I, 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 I've learned that... Um, that I can, I can make it through pretty much anything. You know, when you, when you suffer a devastating blow like that and you come out on the other end, you know, a lot of times I just, I look at my team and I say, look, our biggest accomplishment is we're still standing and we're still standing because we asked those questions. We didn't, it, I think why is one of those, it's just a downward spiral because it just leads to, to another unaffected question. When you ask, what can I learn from this? All of a sudden, these lessons start appearing to you. And when you take those things that you've learned from the situations that you're in and you're able to use those to help others, that's when it really seems that, that you're, you're more effective in the world and you can really grab a hold of, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. 
I, for whatever reason, this is what I have to walk through. So if I can learn from this and I can help others learn as I walk through this journey, that's really what the world's all about. I, I love that because, I, need, I mean, I know you've read my book and you follow the show and you've heard me speak and stuff, and why is my absolute favorite question. I think it's the most powerful question you can ask yourself, mm-hmm. but not in this situation, and you're That's so right. right, because the why just will lead you down into a, a downward spiral, going to yourself, mm-hmm. well, I caused this. You know, I made this choice along this way, well, whatever it may have been. But if you start looking future in this case of what can I learn from this or what even mm-hmm. what have I learned from this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and for me, too, you know, like, like I, you know, I'm on a journey of self-discovery always. And, you know, you can even get caught on the opposite end. So, you know, I found that I got caught up in a, well, why even try? You know, when Michael was alive, we did everything that we could. You know, he was sick for 20 years. And we not only did, you know, the, the Western medicines, but we did the Eastern medicines. And he did a great job of combining that. And his attitude was good. And he never did ask why. And he did exactly what the doctors told him to do. And, you know, we prayed and we, you know, we wanted a miracle. And we literally did everything that we could. And so because we did everything that we could and we didn't get the outcome, that we wanted, I find sometimes that I get caught in it. Well, why bother? Right? Why, why, why does it matter? Cause it doesn't matter. Cause I can work as hard as I can work and I'm still not going to achieve this dream. I'm still not going to. So I had to go through this. Um, there's a great, um, she's a business coach, uh, Brooke Castile. And she talks about, um, where you've got your circumstances and then what you think, what you feel, how you act, and then that's the result that you get. And when I sat down and I figured that out, I'm like, well, I think that no matter how hard I work, I'm not going to get the result that I want because in the case of Michael, in the instance of Michael, I did everything I could. I worked hard. I, I was his advocate. I slept at the hospital. I, I Literally, there wasn't anything more that we could do, and yet we didn't get the result. But sometimes you just have to look at it, well, that's just not the way the plan was. It it doesn't matter how hard you would have worked. That was what his journey was. His journey was to to have the effect on the life, and, and his legacy is that he lived every possible minute that he could, no matter how short his life was. He packed a whole lot in. And so it's really interesting. Yeah, right, I know, right? He would walk into a room, and it would just light up. And when the two of you walked into a room together, it was like, oh, wow, sunrise. (laughs) Yeah, and so it's, you know, it's just, it's really hard. And so I get in those two, but that's where I think it's the realization, right? It's the realization that you know that something's not right. It's the realization that when when I finally had this, okay, That's why I'm not doing everything I feel like I should be doing or could be doing because in this instance, when I did everything I could, I didn't get the result that I wanted. So it is really all about asking those questions, and it's this constant self-discovery journey. And when life gets disrupted and it doesn't go the way that you think it's supposed to go, how do you deal with that, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or a loss of a spouse or a child or you don't get the job that you want? You know, I, um, I, I, after I stepped away from behind the chair about four and a half years ago, I hired a life coach and she worked really hard with me to learn or to really instill in me, everything is in divine order. 
everything is the way that it's supposed to be. And you may not be able to see why this had to happen, but it really is about the attitude that you take and, and that next step in order to get you where you're supposed to be. I, I was saying the other day, you know, Mike never, he never asked why. He would always say, I'm the luckiest guy walking. That, that was always, and, and no matter how hard they hit him, no matter, you know, every time we'd think we'd be on the end of an infection and it would come back again and it would end, they were getting ready to release us and his blood cultures came back positive, so we'd have three or four more days in the hospital. You know, it was just, he would always say to me, you know, this is happening for a reason. I just, we can't fight it. This is, we just need to, we just need to go along with it. And, and no matter what his circumstance was, it was always a learning experience for him. And so I'm really trying to adopt that of my, on myself now. And instead of when things don't go the way that I want it to, instead of getting all up in arms, again, ask a better question. What am I supposed to learn from this? And then just tell myself, everything is in divine order. It's, it's all happening the way that it's supposed to be happening. Do you ever have moments, Kim, where you know that you need to ask those questions again, but you're just so tired and you just want to curl up and you want to cry and you just want to just shut down for a bit? Mm-hmm. I, I do. And actually, it was like I said, just that whole thing of realizing that when I, I had that self-discovery that that's, I felt like that's exactly what I was doing because of the result that I'd gotten. But then I look at my son and I look at the people around me, you know, there's a saying that said, you know, I want people to look at me and say that because of you, I didn't give up. And that's what I want. I want people to look at me, hopefully as an example that would say, gosh, you know, we had, we suffered two big losses, if you remember. So in April of 2017, we lost one of our mobile day spots to a fire. I mean, it was completely totaled. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a $250,000 vehicle. And then two months later, I lost the love of my life. And, and that vehicle was a dream. I mean, we, that was my palace on wheels to take care of these women. And then two months later, I, I lose the love of my life. And so it, it, you do, you cannot get down there, you know, and so it's those times where you just, you get up, you brush yourself up and you say, okay, what do you want me to, what do you want me to learn from this? And, and you just take that next step. And sometimes you don't have to, uh, Martin Luther King said, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. And so I know these last two years of grief that I've gone through, I can't look at the big picture. You know, I just have to say, okay, you know, what is it that I can do today? And I've got my son that's watching me. And so what is it that I can do today that's going to make him say, you know what, my mom and I, we were able to do this. And looking back on our life, you know, she, we, we just picked it up and we just kept going. And in everything that we do, we honor Michael. We just make sure that we, we're doing exactly what he would want us to be doing if he were here. Um, a guest that I've had on my show a few times, Dr. Joan Rosenberg. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-mm. I've heard she, her interview, though. Say that again? I said I did hear her interview with you, though. Oh, okay. Um, so I've known Joan for a really, really long time, and she's helped me through a lot of crazy moments in my life. And this last time she wrote a, a new book called 90 Seconds to a Life You Love. Basically, mm. it's how to get through some of the hardest moments in your life and how to allow emotions 
to not control you by allowing them to flow through you in the moment you're feeling them. Like you feel them for the 90 seconds and then they no longer are controlling you. Whereas a a lot of us, when we're going through a situation where we're feeling angry or we're feeling grief or we're feeling, you know, like I just want to cry or rail or whatever, we're just like stuff it down and be strong. And in her book, she talks about if you just allow those emotions to flow through your body, to fully feel them, you know, not necessarily act out on them. Like if you're angry, don't go punching people, right? But let that anger express and feel through your body that then it doesn't control you and you can now begin to understand where those emotions are coming from and respond to them versus reacting to them. And a lot of what you've been talking about so far, Kim, really makes me understand that you really live what Dr. Rosenberg talks about. You're not suppressing the grief. You're not suppressing the anger or the frustration. You just don't let it control you. That's right. And, you know, and it's interesting, and I agree with that 100%, because I think of, you know, I have my days, and, you know, where somebody will say, what's the matter? And I'll just be like, I'm just, I'm just having a bad day. And, you know, it got to the point where when Mike was really sick, most people didn't know how sick he was. You know, people don't understand that he was in his hospital bed and he would answer his phone. Hello, gorgeous. This is Mike. How can I help you? And he would have tubes, you know, hanging out of places you don't even want to know and IVs hanging. But that was just the type of person that he was. He wanted as much normalcy as we could give him. And so I found myself even after he, him, him dying, that I did the same thing. It's not that I pushed it down, but it was just I wanted everybody to think that I was okay. Because if I was okay, then they would be okay. They needed to see me okay. But they also needed to see me cry. You know, they also needed me because then it's all right to be able to express that. It's the same thing with my child. You know, if if Seth couldn't see me cry and go through that, what are his, you know, his first thoughts going to be is, boy, my mom doesn't miss my dad at all. So, you know, we have those situations where, where I do cry and I do let it out, but I, you're right. I don't let it control me. You, you, you take it. All right. It's done. Let's move on. What's next? What do we, what do we need to do to, to learn from this? And then what's the next step that we need to take in order to be able to move forward? I think that there was a, um, oh, I'm trying to think of her first name. She just did a Ted talk on grief and she talked about, um, not, you don't move on. You just move forward. And that's what I'm learning to do is I'm learning to be able to say, you know, being married to Mike for 23 and three quarters years molded me into this person that I am right now. And I have to take all of that and the the love that I was able to feel through that marriage and stand where I am right now and say, okay, there's no way that I would have been the person that I am today had I not been able to experience the love that we had for each other and then experience the loss of something that I love so very much. And I think that sometimes people think they take those devastating moments and they do ask, why me? Instead of, instead of asking that question, you know, what can I learn from this? And how am I different because of what I went through? It, it, you've got me like with goosebumps because just the other day I was just so frustrated that I'm stuck in my house that I have trouble talking, you know, that this ear thing is so much worse than surgery. 
And even though I can now at times talk, I just know how my body feels when I talk. And I was texting with a friend of mine, thank God for text, it's become my lifeline into the world. And I was like, she's like, you're the strongest woman I know. And God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And my response was, you know, I just wish God had a little less faith in me for the moment and gave me a break because I'm just so tired of Mm -hmm. being strong for everybody. Mm -hmm. Does that ever happen for you? Absolutely. Because, and actually, it was interesting because after Mike died, I, you know, people were like, oh, you need to go see a counselor. I'm like, I can do this on my own. I don't need a counselor. And I did. I went and I found a bereavement counselor. And what I said to her was, you're my safe place. Because I don't feel that, I mean, if I have too many bad days, you know, out in public or in front of my team, they're going to lose faith in me like, you know, this organization isn't going to make Kim's Kim's can't make it. She can't do it. And I couldn't, you know, I needed to lose it, but I didn't need to lose it every single day in front of my son because he's going to say, we're not going to make it. Right. But I needed that safe place to be able to go where I could just lose it. Right. So you find that one person. I think that's the mistake in our in our society nowadays is that people don't just have one go-to person that they go, that they use as a confidant, that they can, you know, be able to talk to. They have to tell everybody. They have to put it all on social media. Everybody needs to know that you're having a bad day. Why? Why does everybody need to know that you're having a bad day? As long as you've got that one person that you can confide in. And I needed to find a new person, right? Because Michael was that person for me. Right. But I needed to find somebody that I could go to that I could just have that safe space to be able to say the things, you know, I'm really mad. I'm mad that he was taken from me. I'm mad that I don't get to celebrate a 50th anniversary with him. I'm mad that I'm single, you know, single-handedly running this organization and raising this child at the same time. And they were able to give me tools, you know, to work through it. And she would just give me permission to be mad, right? And that's sometimes that we need just from that one person, not, not a whole plethora of people, just that one person that I put my faith and my trust in, that I, we had that confidence with each other, that it wouldn't go any further. And that's what I needed at the time. I think we need that permission. It's okay for you to be upset. You just can't live there. You just need to take that and then move on. I love that. I love that. I just wrote down my note, who is your safe space? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. social media for so many people, as you said, has become that, but it's really not. No, it isn't. And that was my whole thing, too. You know, I, I found that I, I, I really have a love-hate relationship with social media because people put in my, this is my opinion, that they put all of their Kodak moments up on social media, right? But you don't see what it took to get to that Kodak moment. You know, maybe a family was planning a trip to Disney World and, you know, you're looking at it like, boy, I wish we could have gone. Well, you don't understand that for the last five years they had, you know, garage sales once a month to save the money to be able to get to go to Disney World. And, you know, and so I feel like it's just, it's this unrealistic place that people look at, and then when you look at that, you devalue your own life then because of what you're seeing that you think is other people's reality when it's really not. Yeah, it's some version of a reality that they think needs to be perfect. Have you ever watched the TV show The Bold Type? No, no. Oh, my God, you have to watch it. You would love this show. Okay. 
Okay. It, it's on the, the CW, and it's called the bold type, and it's millennials. But to me, it doesn't matter, right? They claim it's a show for millennials, but to me, it's really a show for human beings on the on the planet. And we're getting into the last few seconds before we have to go into a national news break. So when when we come back from the national news break, let's talk about this whole idea of safe space, about social media, about what you see and what you don't see with Instagram and all of that. And everybody, we're going to be back with Kim Becker, founder of Hello Gorgeous, talking about how you can help yourself when you're dealing with life disruptions. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half of the show, oh, man, you missed so much amazing information. But remember, you can catch it on podcast if you've been listening to me live on iHeartRadio. So my guest today is Kim Becker, and we've been talking about how you can help yourself deal with life disruptions. Um, You know, what happens when life sends you a curve? Do you curl up and never leave your house? or do you get stronger from it, or is there something in the middle of it? And Kim, you know, the first half of the show, wow, I have so many notes, and I had so many goosebump moments. <laughs> <laughs> and and just before the break, we were talking about social media. Some people kind of think of it as, as their safe space. You know, they're just going to share out there everything, or they do the opposite of that and they share these perfect, as you called it, Kodak moments in your life. And I was talking about one of my new favorite shows called The Bold Type on, I think it's on the Freeform. Sorry, it's on Freeform now. And there was a recent episode, and they all work for this, let's call it like a Marie Claire-like magazine called Scarlet. And they just had recently investigated a woman, a photographer, who was, like, abusing people, the models and everything. And the daughter, uh, the foster daughter of the head fashion person at the magazine, um, he brings her into the office because she's feeling sick and he has to go do stuff. So his assistant is charged with watching her. But she's also trying to fit these models who are on these cleanses and all this other stuff. And she realizes that this young girl who is just so beautiful, you know, in so many ways, the reason she's playing sick is because she doesn't feel she lives up to the beauty that's being shown on Instagram and social media. And Mm -hmm. here she's, you know, at this big fashion magazine and these like models are, are detoxing and she didn't want to go to her school photo day because she didn't Mm -hmm. feel she was pretty enough Mm -hmm. and she wanted Mm -hmm. to start her own detox. And it really hit me that we can choose to believe these perfect moments or we can choose to, as you said, find our safe space, express this, find the people who are really telling the truth, all of it, the the Mm -hmm. ugly and the pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and I, 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 I absolutely agree. I think that what we see, you know, they, we're really, they call it a distraction addiction. Like we are addicted to being distracted. And so you spend so much time. I mean, I did some research. They said, I think Snapchat is opened 
between 18 and 20 times an hour. An hour. And, yes, an hour. An hour. And so, you know, they just, these kids, they want to know what's going on and, you know, who's doing what instead of just focusing on their own life. But what happens is, is when you look at everybody else's life, their Kodak moments, and you compare your real life to that, it's like, it's all really comparing apples to oranges. And so, you know, no wonder that you're distraught. You know, you don't look like they don't, like the magazines, you know, I'm loving that more and more of the magazines are showing real models. They're not being airbrushed. They're not being, you know, um, perfect in every way. I think that that's important because like what you said in the, in the episode that you spoke of, you know, when you're comparing yourself to these beautiful models, of course you're going to feel subpar, but that's not real life. You know, the same thing with like the magazine, you know, when I was a hairdresser and people would bring in this photo that of they, you know, something that they saw in the magazine and they'd say, I want to make my hair look like that. Great. You understand you have to use these products and it's going to take you at least an hour because in order to get her hair to look like that, she had a team of five professionals that were working on her for over an hour to get her hair to look like that. It's just, it's not realistic. And so Although I think you that, could you know, get a, a Kim Becker hair put, cut. Yeah. Cut for your head, and you just shake your hair and go. Right. That's right, because it's all about the cut. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I think that it's, unfortunately, that's, that's one of the downsides. I think there's a lot of good things for social media, but I think that's one of the downsides. And when you're going through something, like what I went through, you know, and you, you lost a spouse or whatever, and and you're looking at social media and you see all these happy families together and you see all these happy couples that are taking these weekend excursions. You know, I just had to the, got to the point where I just needed to take a break from social media because when I got on there, all it did was make me feel worse about my situation. I don't have that right now. I don't have a husband to get away with. Yes, I had to focus on what I did have, but I what I didn't have was some of those picture-perfect moments that I wanted that I felt I was supposed to have. And so it just got to the point where, yeah, I just, I had to just take a break from social media. I had to take a break because it was making me feel worse. Have you and your son started to create some of your own new picture perfect moments? You know, we have, um, we, this was the summer of new things we called it. And so we were, we went and visited new places and, um, we joined a, a neighborhood community pool and we were trying to go see a new festival, you know, new festivals. We had a, we always did a Becker bucket list when Mike was alive so that we knew kind of what we did. Um, so that, you know, summer passes so fast and you're like, gosh, we didn't do anything. Well, you had a list on the refrigerator of all the things that we had crossed off and said, look at all the stuff we did. So we really have started some new, some new traditions. Um, this year we're going to go away. We, the first Christmas that Mike was gone, we went away for Christmas because I said, I cannot be in my house. I can't be in my house with our Christmas tree and the thought of coming downstairs and not having Michael there and not having him to surprise him with gifts and not having any gifts from him for me underneath the tree. And so I just said, I, we got to go. We got to do something else. And so it started in a tradition where we're going to go away again this year for Christmas. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of that. We've done some things to honor Michael. So I don't know if you saw or not, but Mike and I, our birthdays are actually one day apart. We were six years and one day apart. And so the very first year 
that he was gone. I thought, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because for the last 26 years, I celebrated my birthday with Michael. We, we would start celebrating the morning of his birthday and stop celebrating the evening of mine. And so we came up with a way to honor him, and we did um, random acts of kindness. So the first year he was gone, he would have been 57, and we set out to commit 57 random acts of kindness. And we had a card made up that just said, you're receiving this random act of kindness in honor of a great man that would have been 57 years old today. And we put his favorite Bible verse on it, and we left flowers on cars and cookies at police stations and the first year it was very small. Well, this last year we expanded it and invited people in the community and they could download the, um, the card off of our app. And we had people in other states doing it with us this year. And just that feeling of doing something for someone else in honor of someone that left such an amazing legacy, it was so cool to be able to do a new thing. So instead of being able to celebrate our birthdays together, we just celebrated him on his birthday. I love that. It's like you took the foundations of Hello Gorgeous and just expanded it. Yes, exactly. Yes. And it was really that, you know, people loved it. And and the fact that we had a card that was made up that gave people an idea why they were getting something like this done. So my son is, um, he'll be a junior in high school. And so last year his high school participated in it. And so the kids, and so to see, so that he did show me on Snapchat where the kids, they left, you know, packs of gum in somebody's locker or the, you know, a candy bar in a teacher's box or whatever. And so they all got behind it. Um, And so it was just really neat to spread some kindness in honor of somebody that was just a kind man. I, I love that. You and Patricia Knoll, um, founder of uh, Good With Me, yes, are, are just so two of a kind, you know. And I, I, I want to make sure before the end of the show today, we talk a little bit about this whole concept of, you know, you guys have this business. You and Michael co-founded Hello Gorgeous. The two of you are synonymous with it. You, you, you know, you're reinventing, reimagining how you go forward mm-hmm. with your life and and even your business. Mm-hmm. How do you take something that is so intricately aligned with the two of you and go forward? You know, I it it goes back to the original statement that we talked about which is in everything we honor him. And I he absolutely positively loved Hello Gorgeous. He loved being part of the makeovers. He loved driving the bus. You know, um, at the very end of his life, we, he, he, we lost him in a septic shock. And um, he was very delirious, but he was in and out of, um, like, where we were now and where he was at saving people. And he had a little bit of lucidity. And at one point in time, he grabbed a hold of my hands and he looked at me and he said, you have to keep going. You have to keep going. And I said, okay. I mean, not knowing what was coming down four days later, but I said, of course, I'll keep going, you know, whatever. And so we just have to get you through this. And that was my whole focus. And so I always go back to that. I have to keep going in order to honor him. What's been really cool, and my sister Trish does an amazing job of helping me with the organization now. And she said, you know, what's really cool, Kim, is that so many people have said, I never met Michael, but boy, I wished I had met him. And so we've done a really good job of keeping his legacy alive. So 
you know, we, we still do everything that we did. We still take care of women with cancer. We still do the makeovers. We still have the affiliate program. We've had to make some minor shifts in order to make sure that, that we can stay where we need to stay. And it's been a challenge for me, but, you know, when you've led with your partner for the entire time of the organization and now your partner's gone and you have to lead by yourself, um, you just make, you just make those adjustments. But, but I know in every ounce of me that this is what he would want me to do. And I, and I'm grateful for it because I don't know what I would fill my days with if I didn't have, you know, hello gorgeous. And, and I remember I, I, six weeks after he passed away, we had certified a new salon in Baldwinsville, New York. And um, I never let on that I was there and six weeks out of losing my husband. But for me, it was the one thing I needed to do was I just needed to get back in there because that was normal. It was normal that I would travel. It was normal that we would certify salons. It was normal that we would do these makeovers. And, and I think to me, that's what I needed was I needed that normalcy. But it's also a way to honor him. You know, it's, it's a part of being able to keep his legacy alive. I'm able to tell his story now when I go out and speak. I'm able to tell his story and, and, and ask the question, you know, what will your legacy be? You know, about a month after Michael died, he was honored on Capitol Hill for his life's work with Hello Gorgeous. And he didn't get up every day and say, how can I make history? He got up every day and said, how can I make an impact? And by making an impact, he made history. And so, you know, it's kind of that same thing. It's just we really want to make sure that, that we're honoring him and the history that he made while he was on this earth so that his legacy will live on. And it's so important to accept also that sometimes you do need to step back into normal. It doesn't, it's okay to have some business as usual after yeah. a, a disruption of any kind, whether it's a That's loss right. of a loved one or not. It doesn't mean you're thinking of them any less. No. It's moving forward. I mean, when my mom passed away, I got a phone call, an email from somebody who had heard me speak somewhere and said, hey, we're wondering if you could speak at a conference that we're having down in South Florida. And they gave me a date. And I'm like, okay, so do you mean 2018? And she goes, oh, no, it's like 10 days from now. Oh, wow. I'm like, excuse me? And she said, well, something you popped into my mind, and we'd like to make a space for you if you could speak. And I was like, I can't do that. You know, I was barely able to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I happened to mention that, you know, my mom had passed away. And then I went, but I know she sent this. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Because she wants you to keep doing what you've always done. Right. You know, that, that, that's the one thing I know, you know, Seth and I talk about this a lot. And, and, it, and it go, it's true for you, too. If God would have come down to Michael and said, I'm taking one of you three. It's either you, it's Kim or Seth. Who would you want me to take? Michael would have said, I want you to take me. If the same question would have been posed to your mother, I'm, I'm going to take one of you. I'm either going to take you or I'm going to take Laura. Who would you want me to take? Your mother would have raised her hand and said, I want you to take me because I want Laura to keep living. It's not fair. I, I have no doubt in my mind that if, if one of us were going to leave, that Michael would have said, take me. Oh, Absolutely. And so because of that, it allows us, I mean, we just live that much more to honor his legacy, knowing that this is what he would want us to do. We weren't, there's a blog, um, it's called One Fit Widow, 
And down at the bottom of her webpage, there's a line that I, I actually wrote and put it on a big post-it note on my bedroom door. And it says, you are still here for a reason. And I thought, okay, I, God could have easily have taken me. He could have easily taken my son, but he didn't. He took Michael and left Seth and I. So there's a reason that I'm still here. And you certainly are showing the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you started a new podcast. Yes. yes. You know, like you had never, called. had you ever envisioned yourself doing a podcast? You know, we talked about it for um, a while, but, you know, I always got messed up on the technology piece. You know, I think that's the one thing I miss about Michael the most is that I would come up. We finally figured it out about two weeks before he passed away, maybe a month. I finally figured it out. My job was the visionary and he was the executioner. So I would come up with the big, bold, brilliant ideas and it was his job to make them all happen. Well, now that I don't have that anymore... I don't, you know, there's, I still dream big, but they're just a little bit delayed because I don't have that person to put them, that one person. Now I have to go find other people. So we always talked about starting a podcast because, you know, with working with the women with cancer and they're so inspirational and the salons that we have, you know, their business has grown by being a part of Hello Gorgeous. And, you know, I want to share their favorite makeovers and the people that have supported us. We thought, what a great avenue, right? What a great way to be able to, to share those messages with the world. And um, so we, I was actually interviewed on another radio program, and the producer pulled me uh, after the show and said, I want to offer you your own show. And so that's how that all came to be. I think it just enhances everything that we already do. Um, and he would have loved it. He, he would have loved that this is something that I get to do. So, All right. So how do people find out about your podcast and about Hello Gorgeous and reach out to you? So we are um, on Society Bites Radio. Um, If you go down to the health section, you can find it's Hello Gorgeous, Everything Beauty, Cancer, and Inspiration. Um, Our website is www.hellogorgeous.org. And if you want to email me directly, um, my email is kbecker at hellogorgeous.org. Okay. So say, you know, Hello Gorgeous is all about providing transformational moments for cancer patients and survivors and their families and you go you certify salons to take care of patients people who are going through this because it really requires a different way of thinking about a haircut about nail polish about massage about whatever because of so many different reasons what if a salon I mean, you have a salon affiliate program. Why is that so important, and how does somebody who might be listening to the show who has a salon maybe get involved? So what I realized was that when we first started Hello Gorgeous and we would offer, you know, we were doing the program a little differently, and we would offer these makeovers and services to women battling cancer, they would say to me, no, I can't have that. My doctor told me I can't have a manicure. I can't have a pedicure, and my question would be why. And they would say, I don't know. He just told me I couldn't have it. So I would go back to the doctors and nurses and say, look, you know, this is when she needs to feel special. This is when she needs a little pampering. Why are you telling her she can't receive these services? And what they said was the risk of infection or bacteria contamination was so high that they just told the women to completely steer clear of any of these services. So after having those conversations, I realized I was never taught 
in beauty school how to take care of a woman battling cancer. And there are certain precautions that need to be taken when you're dealing with somebody with a compromised immune system as opposed to somebody who is healthy and, you know, normal when they walk into a salon. So all of those things that the doctors showed concern for, we tried to combat as best as we could. So we go in and we train the salon how to create the Hello Gorgeous experience. And it's not necessarily how to do a pedicure or a manicure. It's how to do a pedicure and a manicure on a woman battling cancer. So we use disposable um, liners for the manicure bowl and disposable liners for the pedicure bowl um, or the pedicure bath. And, you know, I couldn't have anybody tell me if I used a nail polish on somebody and they had a little bit of a fungus, if there was enough alcohol or different ingredients that could kill that fungus in the nail polish that wouldn't transfer to somebody else. So everything that's used on here is brand new. All the nail polish, all the skincare, all the makeup, so that it's all fresh and it's only used on her. And then everything we use on her is given to her so that it's not just one and done. It's not just that we make you feel good and look this gorgeous today. We give you all the tools and the education that you need so that tomorrow when you're standing in the mirror by yourself, you have everything you need to reproduce the look from the day before. I love that. And, you know, it, it all stemmed from you started asking questions because you didn't understand That's right. why they couldn't have this. That's right. That's exactly right. I just I asked a question and got an answer. And when I didn't get the answer I wanted, I kept asking questions and, and came to the conclusion that these services need to be offered, but you have to offer them in such a way that she stays safe because if uh, an infection or, you know, a fungus or something would break out, you know, it certainly has an opportunity to maybe stall or halt her treatment altogether. And that's not what we want to do. We want to make sure that we can pamper her and keep her safe so that it's just part of her journey. Because cancer or critical illnesses are certainly one of the biggest life disruptions for the individual going through it and their families. That's right. It is a huge disruption. And, you know, I think that it is, it's hard for all involved. You know, it's just they, the people don't know what to say when a woman is diagnosed with cancer. And so they say nothing and stay, stay away. So it's not only a disruption for the cancer patient, but it's a disruption for her friends. It's a disruption for her family. And so I think that when you learn to ask better questions and, you know, what we have found with Hello Gorgeous is it gives the family members an opportunity to play an active role into doing something good for her that makes her feel good. And the feeling goes on. It's not just that one day. You know, we've had so many women that just say that that was the turning point in their cancer journey when they got that makeover. They felt like they were re-energized and now they could do what they needed to do to, to get to the end of whatever that journey was and then start feeling normal again. And I know I've seen a number of the posts on, on social media with the transformations, you know, when people have allowed it to be out there. And it doesn't mean that they've asked for wigs because some of them, no. it's, they don't want that. They're proud, you know, they're, you make them feel good about having no hair or right. you give them a wig that resembles something like they used to have their hair right. or whatever it may be. But I think it's just touch as well. That's right. When you're That's going right. through a life disruption, people tend to stop touching you. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting because touch is one of the first 
senses that a baby feels when they're born. And as an adult, when you leave this earth, touch is the last thing that you feel when you leave. And so it's very important as to who we are and what we're made of. And so when people stay away from you, sometimes you just need a hug. And there are people out there that just think, well, I can't hug you because then I might catch it. You know, it's just, it, they just don't, they don't get it. But that's when that person needs it the most. That's when they need that. They need that touch. They need a big hug. They just need reassurance that it's going to be okay. It's like when Princess Diana hugged um, an AIDS patient. Yes. It transformed the way we thought about AIDS patients. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Made them human. That's right. That's right. And and it's such a beautiful thing. So I want to make sure you have a last thought in there. We've got um, a minute or two left to the show. Last thought you'd like to share with my listeners. You know, you asked me early on, like, what is the, what is something that you can do? We talked a little bit about that. And, and, you know, one of the things that I did was I really tried to focus on what I had as opposed to what I don't have. And so I started a practice that every night before I went to bed, I wrote down 10 things that I was grateful for that day. And so instead of saying, well, I no longer have a spouse and I no longer have a business partner and I no longer, no, I might not, but you know what? I've got a house and I've got my health, and I have a wonderful child, and I have a great support system with my family, and I've got a wonderful team that, you know, is willing to come on board and and keep my, you know, our organization going. And, you know, and so I really want to challenge anybody who's going through a tough time right now, whether it's a cancer diagnosis, whatever your disruption is, you know, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's a separation. I want you to, to take that time every night and write down 10 things that you're grateful for, because when you focus on what you have, you get more of it. When you focus on what you don't have, you get more of that. You get more of what you don't have. Okay. So when you go to that is bed, absolutely perfect. And Kim Becker, I, I'm so grateful for you being a part of my life and for being out there in the world because you are still here for a reason. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for the honor of being on your show. All right, everybody. Remember that the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone, and uh, find someone who's your safe space. Have a great day. Free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 